Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. How would you like a 15% discount to my daily email, the stack of stuff, the show notes, discounts to the conference, all of that. All you need to do is text the word show to 33777. You'll get the annual subscription with a 15% discount to my daily email. You'll get the stack of stuff, the links to the show notes, discounts to the conference, and so much more. All you have to do is text the word show, S-H-O-W, to 33777. Text show to 33777. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. I'm just literally shaking watching this display of Christian nationalism in a church is... The crowd chants four more years as the president of the United States speaks in a church. This is the Christian nationalism they were warning us about. <laughs> it's just so opportunistic, of course. The uh, So Biden is interrupted uh, and uh, by, by people chanting ceasefire now. And the crowd, the congregants in this church respond by chanting four more years, but Biden says something he should not have said. He always gets in trouble when he goes off script. Darkness. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Now they're being dragged out. Oh, they have their fists raised. away the game. There's a point to me playing this. Just listen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Look, folks. I understand their... I understand their passion. And I've been quietly working... I've been quietly working with the Israeli government to get them to reduce and significantly get out Wait a second. You've been quietly working with Israel to get them to significantly get out of Gaza. You've been quietly working because you didn't want the public to know and live on international television. You just told the world you're working with Israel to get them out of Gaza. Wow. Holy cow. When Biden goes off script, he goes off script big. 
He started his speech in Charleston claiming he started the civil rights movement in the Bethel AME Church. No, no, no. He literally said, I started the civil rights movement. Those are Joe Biden's words today that I started the civil rights movement. (laughs) Martin Luther King said, what? Rosa Parks, what? Rosa Parks is like, so is he the bus driver? (laughs) Joe Biden claims he started the civil rights movement. I guess he's the one who told Rosa Parks where to sit. (laughs) He literally says this is why he can't go off script. And then, and then he says, hey, I understand their passion, and I've been quietly working with the Israeli government to get them out of Gaza. Wait, you've been quietly working with them? (laughs) And now you're going to tell the world in a hot mic moment? Oh, my gosh. This guy. This is on the end. The crowd. The crowd. I, I am literally shaking hearing a church congregation chant four more years in a sanctuary to the president of the United States. This is the Christian nationalism Democrats have warned us about. How can you do this? You literally are chanting four more years in a church sanctuary as the president of the United States addresses you Is the IRS going to take your tax-exempt status away? This is the Christian nationalism Democrats have been fretting about. Oh, wait. I'm sorry doesn't count. They're black Democrats. You can get away with it. The hypocrisy knows no bounds. It's just, (laughs) it really is. Y'all, it is remarkable, though. (laughs) Joe Biden, my gosh. God bless the man, but this this is this he is he is not well. He needs to retire. I'm just I, I'm it is, it's remarkable. Now reset. I guess I should say it's Eric Erickson here, and you're listening to my show. <laughs> the president's still speaking uh, to the uh, AME Church there in um, the Mother Emanuel AME Church, where Dylan Roof killed so many people so many years ago. Notable, he's there, not Nikki Haley. She was the governor at the time. Uh, It is a partisan event. Jim Clyburn is there. If this were a Republican, though, this this actually is um, something we need to consider, and this isn't something that I was going to talk about, but I I forgot the speech was happening. But I I really, in all seriousness, if Donald Trump or George W. Bush or Dick Cheney or Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, or Nikki Haley, the former governor of South Carolina, or Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, were to stand in a church and give a speech and the crowd were to chant four more years as a way to drown out protesters. Now, it's notable here. It's notable that when protesters interrupt a Republican at an event like this, what does the crowd respond with? USA. Happens every time. Every time. Doesn't matter who the Republican is. When the protesters show up, they start chanting uh, USA, USA, 
to drown out the protesters. It's very, very notable to me that when protesters show up at Joe Biden in the church, the congregants chant four more years, not USA. I think that's actually a notable moment here. They don't, they're not chanting USA, but also the amount of lecturing we get. The, the New York Times has a story. I was going to get to this later in the show, but I might as well set, shake things up now that we're here. The New York Times today has this story, uh, the headline, Trump is connecting with a different type of evangelical voter. They are not just the church-going conservative activists who once dominated the GOP. And the remarkable part here is the New York Times finally gets to what I've been telling you guys for years. Evangelical, the word the media uses so much. Evangelical is more of an ethnic identifier now than it is an identifier of people who go to church. And the New York Times finally grabs hold of this, that the label evangelical doesn't really do that. Let me just read you this one paragraph. Being evangelical once suggested regular church attendance, a focus on salvation and conversion and strongly held views on specific issues such as abortion. Today, it is often used to describe a cultural and political identity, one in which Christians are considered a persecuted minority, traditional institutions are viewed skeptically, and Mr. Trump looms large. It's demographic. You know, so there's a there's a survey out uh, over the weekend on religious views of January 6th, 2021. Do you know the group of religious adherents who were most supportive of the events of January 6, 2021? Any, I, you're, you're probably not going to guess it. Which religious group, and only it was only 48%, but still, 48% plus or minus 2% of the poll, it could have been a 50% support. Which group of religious adherents were most supportive of the riot on January 6th? Muslims. Muslims. Uh-huh. Reinberg, who does uh, great surveys of re- religious adherents, did this survey. And 48% of Muslims supported the events of January 6th. It's very notable. You know who was least likely to support it? Uh, regular church-going Christians who attend churches on a regular basis. Very interesting. Very interesting. The, the more likely you attend church, the less likely you supported the events of January 6th. Evangelicals who don't go to church, who don't darken the doorway of a church, were support, not as supportive as, as Muslims, but were more supportive. And this actually is, is a thing. When the media talks about religion, they don't really understand religion. Most of the people who cover religion in the press, they're not very religious people themselves. They don't go to church. Uh, if they do go to church, they go to a mainline denomination. So I, I was actually teaching 
on Amos in my Sunday school class. Uh, I'm doing five weeks walking through the book of Amos. Amos is, is one of my favorite books of the Bible. My favorite book in the Old Testament is Amos. One of the notable hallmarks in that book that you, you see in the world today is that uh, as a group of people leave like traditional faith, they tend to spiffy it up. So, for example, the very progressive denominations out there like uh, Episcopalians, great example, liberal Presbyterians, Methodists, they, they tend to wear the garments, they wear the robes, they wear the vestments, they have more high church. Uh, Robert Schuller, you know the Crystal Cathedral? Robert Schuller was a very, very progressive Christian, and you never know it from the, cere- the high church ceremony that he had. Uh, meanwhile, you go to your local, like, uh, Southern Baptist offshoot in a strip mall somewhere where you got a guitar, no piano, everybody's dressed casually, including the preacher. They actually take the their religion way more seriously. It, it's, it's kind of a notable offshoot there. And now we've got this group of people who call themselves evangelicals. They say they're Christian, but they don't go to church on Sunday. Some of them are working on Sunday. A lot of them are in their bass boat or hanging out at home with their family. And those are actually the the evangelicals who support Donald Trump are the ones who don't go to church. Now, you do all of this, and let's roll this back into Joe Biden. He's just finished the speech at Mother Emanuel AME in Charleston. We're constantly lectured on Christian nationalism on the right and how it's a bad thing and how evangelicals have lost their way. And actually, when you look at it, for example, evangelicals who regularly go to church, who actually believe in the orthodox tenets of faith, they actually have the lowest divorce rate in the country. They actually have the larger families. They tend to do better in life. They take their faith seriously, and they're less likely to support things like January 6th. They're less likely to support Donald Trump than people who call themselves evangelical and never go to church. You never know that from the media discussion of it. They, they can't nuance, they can't figure out the religious aspect of it, and they rail constantly. MSNBC, CNN, The New York Times, you name it, they rail on Christian nationalism. They can't actually define what it means. Meanwhile, in a church in South Carolina, the president of the United States speaks and they cheer him on and chant four more years, and no one in the media will call that Christian nationalism because of the race of the people and the party of the people who were present. If it was Republicans, they would lose their mind. But for the Democrats, forever and always, they will give them a partisan pass. The amount of fundraising and politicking done by Democrats in churches that the media ignores, excuses, and the IRS turns a blind eye to that Republicans could never get away with is actually pretty stark in this country, and we should probably ask ourselves why. I have thoughts, but I'll probably keep those to myself. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, as always, text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. You can get the live stream, the show notes. More importantly, though, I've got a new book coming out, uh, You Shall Be As Gods, on how uh, progressivism is becoming a religion. And we'll have the pre-order link shortly, and I want to be able to send it to you because I want every one of you to buy the book. Drive up, make it a bestseller. But to do that, text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. When the the link is live and I can send it to you, I will send it to you um, so that y'all can buy the book. Right now, uh, let me check in with Don here on the phone. Don, welcome to the show. Eric, thanks for taking my call. Hey, I was... 
listen to you, and I listen to you every day. The AME Church. I think this was a political stunt because my understanding when I go to church for the two hours or the hour, I'm in reverence to God. And these people were, in a sense, out of line. I think this was a political stunt. I think politically it should not belong in the church. I don't disagree with you. Then the fact that they went with four more years instead of USA and the fact that the protesters were able to get in and disrupt it. Now, I, I, I will say, Don, and, and thank you for that. I, I'm not opposed to the president of the United States of America, whoever that is, going to a place like Emmanuel, Mother Emanuel AME and commemorating the awful events that happened there. But let's just be clear that this was a campaign event. It was Jim Clyburn, who is Joe Biden's biggest supporter in the nation as a Democrat, the prominent congressman from South Carolina. He's there. It is uh, the headline right now on CNN is Biden delivers second major campaign speech of 2024. He's doing it in a church. Republicans can't get away with this. I said I'd keep it myself. Um, I, I might as well say it. I think that uh, the media treats Democrats in church differently than they treat Republicans in church because they don't expect that Democrats believe it. They they don't treat Biden's faith as sincere. They use it as a cudgel against the right. Uh, They think that people on the right take their faith seriously, so they raise the issue of hypocrisy on the right. They never raise the issue of hypocrisy on the left when people go to church because they don't think people on the left take it as seriously as people on the right, including Joe Biden. They give him a pass. Now I got to move on. Y'all, around the country, school choice, legislatures are beginning to meet around the country. So here in Georgia, the legislature convened today. School choice is going to be a huge fight, and Americans for Prosperity is helping lead that fight around the country. Uh, They are targeting uh, legislators, trying to persuade them to to change their votes. In Georgia, they're, they're sending out door knockers you can be a part of to educate people about where their representatives and senators in the state stand. They're doing it with free markets. They do it for free people. They do it for tax reform. They do it for so much. Be a part of this army of activists with Americans for Prosperity. Go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today. americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. You can sign up with AFP. They've got 36 state chapters. They're growing in the other states. They've got 4 million activists around the country who are engaged with them. And they do a brilliant job fighting for free markets and free people. They want you as part of their team. You will become an even more effective advocate for freedom and small government in this country by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric and signing up today with Americans for Prosperity. Take action now. Go there now. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program Happy to have you. Looks like Anthony Blinken is leaving for Israel right now. He just gave a press conference. He's flying from Saudi Arabia to Israel. Uh, This comes, makes it a little more difficult for him just after the president of the United States speaking in Charleston said he's been uh, quietly working with Israel to try to get him out of Gaza. Uh, Wow. Now, I've got a story that we need to talk about. Those of you in Connecticut— I got a lot of everybody says, oh, you're you're just down in Georgia. I'm I'm spread around the country now, and I got a lot of listeners 
in Connecticut. And I have a story for those of you in Connecticut that you really, really, truly, honestly need to know about because it affects you more than any of the rest of us. Before I talk about it, though, very quickly, serious note here. Um, In the southeast United States, massive storms are beginning to roll through. And the south, uh, the, the the far southeast, South Carolina, Georgia, North Carolina, where I have a lot of listeners in Florida, you're going to get slammed. In fact, my kid's school in middle Georgia is already saying to keep an eye out that they may cancel school tomorrow or start late because the storms are expected to be so intense. Um, so wherever you are, uh, make sure you got batteries and can get a radio on because... Uh, if you can't get your TV because the power's out with battery, you can get your radio and listen to your local uh, radio station. Wherever you're hearing my voice right now, tune in there, and they will keep you safe during these storms. Very, very high chance of tornadoes in the southeast tomorrow, so be very careful. Um, a lot of just it's going to be very rough. Uh, so your local radio station is going to uh, really uh, keep you informed in ways that your TV station probably can't. And as always, make sure your cell phones are charged uh, before you head to bed tonight because it's going to be a very rough overnight in the southeast. Now, for those of you in New England, you're dealing with extremely cold weather, and I need to put this on your radar. This story came out late Friday. A natural gas terminal that's been operating for more than a half century that's been a crucial safeguard against blackouts when bone-chilling cold hits the U.S. Northeast, is going to shut down forever. The Everett Gas Import Plant near Boston is at risk of closing in May, coinciding with the retirement of its biggest customer, the Mystic Power Station. Both facilities are owned by Constellation Energy, which has said Mystic is uneconomic to operate under most conditions. Everett's closure would jeopardize the reliability of New England's power system in extreme weather, according to the nation's top energy regulators. New England lacks enough pipelines to get gas from other parts of the country. It relies on Everett when heating demand spikes. The terminal receives cargo of liquefied natural gas via tankers, mostly from Trinidad. The facility's shutdown underscores the challenges facing America's grid as the transition to cleaner energy accelerates and climate change triggers wider weather, wilder weather. While Mystic may ultimately be replaced by wind farms and solar projects, it's not clear whether those resources and the battery storage needed to back them up will be built quickly enough to prevent power shortfalls. Everett was a key resource providing additional gas supplies to New England during extreme cold, says Gary Cunningham, director of market research at energy risk management firm Tradition Energy. This is a super problem, a a major massive problem. And that major massive problem is you don't have enough energy capacity in New England when the weather gets really, really cold. And with this going out right now, it is in Hartford, Connecticut. It's 39 degrees, low of 25 tonight, according to Google. 
if it gets much lower than that as the lows and, and people's heat goes on, you're out of capacity. By the way, the frustration here that I have is that all of this is foreseeable. Every bit of this has been foreseeable, people. Every little bit of it has been foreseeable. And our government has done nothing. There's a very interesting story in the Wall Street Journal this weekend. Washington is heating up nuclear energy competition with Russia and China. They're looking to small nuclear reactors, and they're trying to sell them around the world. This is I want to read for you the first two paragraphs. Number Paragraph number one. To compete with its biggest geopolitical rivals, the U.S. government is looking toward small nuclear reactors. Now, paragraph numero dos, two. Not a single so-called small modular reactor has been sold or even built in the United States, but American officials are trying to persuade partner countries to acquire the cutting-edge nuclear reactors still under development by U.S. firms, the goal to wrest nuclear market share away from Russia, the global industry giant, and defend against China's fast-growing nuclear technology industry. The Biden administration also sees nuclear energy as a way to export reliable green energy since nuclear power plants split atoms and don't burn carbon-based fuels that contribute most to climate change. So, we're not building these in this country, but Biden wants to sell them abroad. You guys are being shorted natural gas up in Connecticut. Y'all are not seeing replacement capacity come online quickly. You're, I mean, you're, you're going to free. You understand your lights are going to go out. Your heat's going to go out. You don't have enough natural gas. Uh, your governments up there, your progressive-run governments, have not been adept at building pipelines. They don't want power pipe, gas pipelines. The environmentalists don't want them. Plus, your land resources make it extremely difficult to even get right-of-ways to build them. Even if your governments wanted them, you got so much um, infrastructure in New England, it becomes harder to build these pipelines, but your governments and environmental activist groups are opposed to it anyway. So you don't have enough capacity flowing to New England from the rest of the country for natural gas plants. Not only that, your major natural gas terminal outside of Boston that supplements your natural gas supply is being shut down permanently. Not only that, the wind power uh, program they were building out in the Atlantic has been slowed down, if not stopped, because of all the whales that are being killed by it. So you don't have the offshore wind capacity that you were expecting. Nothing has worked out well for those of you in New England because of progressive resistance to building nuclear power or expanding natural gas production and flow rates into New England. So you better hope that this El Nino pattern we've had in the Pacific sticks around a while longer that has given you not as many ice storms as you expected. But, I mean, you guys are in for a world of hurt up there. But what's more remarkable to me at the national level is this actually flows through to the rest of the nation. One of the few exceptions is the Southeast because in the Southeast, guess what? We built a nuclear power plant, Plant Vogel in Georgia. 
is the first new nuclear power plant to come online in this country in decades. They were building one over in South Carolina, but uh, the facility got shut down because the contractors had financial difficulties, I think went bankrupt, uh, and they, they scuttled the project. There were so many cost overruns. There were a lot of cost overruns in Georgia too, but they built the nuclear power plant because they needed to rebuild the institutional knowledge. It's been so long since we built nuclear power in this country, the engineers who knew how to build it all died. All of the institutional knowledge died. And the Russians and the Chinese have kept building, so they have the institutional knowledge, giving them a competitive advantage. So now here comes the Biden administration. This is actually kind of funny. So the Biden administration is now trying to sell other countries on new nuke technology that the Biden administration doesn't want to build in the United States and won't get behind. It really is remarkable hypocrisy on their part. Remarkable hypocrisy. But those of us in the southeast are going to weather the storm better. Those of you in Texas, if you have another ice storm, y'all really haven't gotten up to speed in fixing your power grid problems that you had the last time. Uh, Your load bearing is not good in Texas. Balancing the load uh, between uh, the nuclear power plant there and coal and natural gas and solar and wind, y'all are still having problems. The southeast has the most reliable power grid section of the United States right now because of this nuclear power plant. Among other things, they've been rolling out solar, they've been rolling out wind, but they've been keeping a lot of natural gas and coal fire plants going too. So it's kind of an any and all situation in the southeast. In New England, you guys are in for just a miserable time if you have a major coal snap with this natural gas transmit facility going offline. And I've been talking about this, and there have been stories of the New York Times, there have been stories of the Washington Post, There have been stories in the Wall Street Journal. Every major policymaker in the country, left, right, or center, has had access to these stories to know what's coming. And so few of them have bothered to take action. So few of them have bothered to fix the problem. It actually is remarkable to me that, like, this is a foreseeable event. It's like the financial crisis. You know, Mitch Daniels. The former uh, OMB director who became the governor of Michigan went on to be the the, uh, beloved president of of Purdue University. He's retired now. Has an op-ed in the the Washington Post this weekend, basically, bring on the crisis. He's been warning the crisis was coming, and no one wanted to do anything about it. He's been warning what would come. It's been foreseeable. Every major economist on, on the right, the center, and even some of the left have been recognizing it's coming. We know the financial crisis is going to hit. We know that about every 80 years, nations tend to go through some sort of a convulsive process as uh, generations, you make major generational shifts every 80 years. All these things are aligning to bring on some sort of financial crisis in the United States now. We know it's coming. We see it coming. We see the headlight uh, of the train coming through the tunnel. It's not daylight. It's the headlamp of a fast-approaching train of crisis. We see it with power. We see it with finance. And none of the policymakers in Washington, D.C. want to do anything about it. That is genuinely remarkable. Y'all are going in New England to freeze because of the Biden administration and progressive activists and environmentalists who do not want us to advance into some brave new era but wish to send us back to the dark ages. It's that straightforward. They they don't want to do the new and more advanced 
They want to do the old. The last time the world depended on wind and solar for energy was the Dark Ages, and it didn't work out well. It's time for us to, like, I mean, this is so easily foreseeable, and yet nobody wants to do anything about it, which, by the way, is just going to send even more chaos into the markets when stuff like this does happen. It's so easily foreseeable. You got 10 regional banks have had their credit downgraded. I mentioned the story on Friday about a number of regional banks are starting to have major uh, portfolio issues that they're over leveraged. They don't have enough assets. Their their bond portfolio portfolio shifted badly. The regulators are starting to worry about them. Swiss America wants to help you protect your hard-earned assets. You can get their report, The Secret War on Cash. Your copy's free. You call or text 800-289-2646. That's 800-289-2646. The all-out war on cash includes digital forms of currency. It's spreading daily. You can go read The Secret War on Cash. It's free to you guys. All you have to do is mention my full name, Eric Erickson. You call or text 800-289-2646. 800-289-2646. You mention Eric Erickson. Or you can go to SwissAmerica.com slash Eric, SwissAmerica.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You get the Secret War on Cash report. It is completely free to you. The easiest way to do it is just text my name, Eric Erickson, to 800-289-2646. Message and data rates apply. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers. And most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. I, I'd like a word, please, about Lauren Boebert, who this is probably her last year in Congress. She's uh, going to run in a different district. She She's in a district that a Republican should hold, but she barely could hold. So she's going to run in a different district, and that district is on the far side of the state. She just wants to be in power. Police were called to a restaurant in Silt, Colorado on Saturday night after Lauren Boebert and her ex-husband, Jason Boebert, got into a physical altercation. Police Chief Mike Kite confirmed Sunday. Kite told the Washington Post, police responded to a call made from Miner's Claim Restaurant, which is in Lauren Boebert's home district, and said the incident's under investigation. He declined to comment further, saying police are reviewing surveillance tape. According to the Daily Beast, Jason Bobert called the police after meeting with Lauren Bobert at the restaurant and claimed he was a victim of domestic violence. Jason Bobert says Lauren Bobert punched him in the face several times. She denies her husband's claim. I think Lauren Bobert is a conservative in her views, and I think Lauren Bobert has been on the right side of a lot of issues in Congress, and I think Lauren Boebert needs to go away. 
She has had her marriage meltdown. And she's there are kids. She's had these embarrassing displays of don't you know who I am? Uh, vaping in the in the um, getting all very handsy with the boyfriend of the day at the at the play. Some people just can't handle the responsibility. And she seems to be imploding before our eyes. And I think the very worst thing that we could do is send her back to Congress. We can get a conservative who will be as conservative, who isn't going to have these problems. I, I, I sometimes think we get very selfish. We we want this fighter who says the right things and owns the libs and, and we're willing to elevate this at the risk of that person's own soul and, and well-being. And there's just something not right here. And it's, it's tragic to see because I actually like her. I've had her on the show a number of times. She's got good staff, uh, has had good staff. Some of them have left now. Uh, I just, I'm, I, I, y'all, I'm, I'm sorry. I just really do think that it's time for Lauren Boebert to step aside. And if not, the voters of Colorado need to make her step aside because there is clearly a lot going on in her personal life. And it, for the sake of herself and her family, that needs to be sorted out. And you can't do that while you're, going every week to Congress, you need to, your family should come before your constituents. And the fact that she doesn't seem to realize that highlights even more of a problem that is there. Now, uh, let's move on to, to more savory stuff. We got better stuff. We got to talk about the big spending cuts and also school choice issues around the country are firing up. I want to spend some time on that when we come back, including here in Georgia, but also Missouri. Uh, you guys in Missouri, uh, looks like y'all may get school choice soon.